Well, good morning. Praise the Lord. It's so good to see you all. If you're first time, welcome. So glad you're here. I had the honor of sharing the word with you this morning. You know, we're just finishing up 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's been so good. <clears throat> you know, why do we, we see it as kind of a tithe of our year. So why do we tithe anything? Did you know that the tithe means 10%? And it doesn't just mean any 10%. It means the first 10%. So as we, as we give the first of our year, as we give the first of our income, as we come on Sunday and give the first of our week, do you know why we do that? Because we, we want him a part of all the rest. Makes him partners with all the rest. Well, it's, it's been a good month. Week one, Pastor Brad taught on prayer and fasting. Week two, Jonah blessed us. He taught on worship, so good. Last week, I taught, I have decided, and we talked about decision points on our Christian journey. And we mapped out the whole thing, uh, the whole journey, all the way to the end. And we said that uh, that's where we find true life. Today is our last week. Next week, we start a new series for the month of February, Relationships. But today is our last week of our Drawing Closer series. We're drawing closer to God, drawing closer to Him in this new year. So today, our message is called Living with Purpose living with purpose. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and praise you. We honor you and worship you. We thank you for this time to come together. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, I get to go be with my believers, a precious like faith, and we get to be iron, sharpening iron and, and agging each other on to do good works and to fulfill our calls. And Lord, help us. I thank you. You're here in our midst. You're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so living with purpose. There are so many people living life out of focus. So many people are living life in survival mode. Let's just get through the day, get through the week. Let's make it to Friday. They have the education, they have the house, they have the car, they have the job, and they're doing things like silent quitting. And they're saying things like, my marriage feels dead. My life has no fulfillment. You are not a product of your circumstances. No matter what life has dealt you, Last week we said everybody's in a different spot in their journey. Well, everybody's been dealt a different thing and it wasn't necessarily God dealing it. But you are not the result of your circumstances. You are the result of your decisions. You are the result of your decisions. And God is putting before you decisions. He said, life and death I'm put before you. Choose life still your choice. He's putting decisions before you to show you how to really start living. So today we're going to talk about discovering our purpose and finding fulfillment in life. We're going to start in John 15, 8. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory 
This is Jesus talking. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Last week we said that was one of our decision points on our journey is to be a disciple, to be a student of Christ, to follow after him and his ways, to study him and be like him. He said, if you're gonna show yourself to be my disciple, you're gonna bear much fruit. And he said, this is to my Father's glory. In other words, the Father really likes it when you bear much fruit. That's what the Father really likes. All right, so to, to bear fruit means that we have something to show for it at the end. So, one day, I told you last week, I gave you the great, exciting news that we're all going to die, right? So, this week, I'm going to tell you what happens next. You will stand before God. And he's going to ask you a question. And I'm going to tell you the question, and I'm going to tell you the answer that you need to have. You're going to stand before God when you cross over from this life to the next. And he's going to say, I sent you my son. What did you do with my son? That's going to be his question. And our answer needs to be something like this. I believed. I gave my life to him. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he's the Savior of the world. And if you get that question right, he's going to ask you another question. He's going to ask you, what did you do with your life? I gave you a life. What did you do with it? The correct answer, y'all want to know what you need to say? But he knows if it's true or not. I bore much fruit. I bore much fruit, Father. I spent my life bearing fruit for you. How do we become a person who bears much fruit? How do we become a person who bears much fruit? That's what we're going to talk about today. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 11, skip down to verse 11. I have told you this. I have told you this. Jesus said, I've told you this. And of all the reasons that Jesus might have told us, it's a pretty cool reason that he did. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. In other words, this is living. This is the life you were meant to live. This is the fulfillment everyone's hungering and striving and looking for. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, lacking nothing. God's good. When you experience the Father's joy, that's the day you find life. That's the day you find life. And you know what? It's regardless of what you were dealt. There's so many people, there's a lot of people that have been dealt a bad lot. 
but there's a lot of people out there that don't have it that bad and think they do. It doesn't matter. This is experiencing fulfillment. This is experiencing joy. So how do we bear fruit? All right, I'm going to go ahead and give you the end of the message right now. Invite Jesus into the reality of your everyday activity. This is how we're going to bear fruit. I'm going to show, we're going we're gonna to go through the word. We're going to look at some examples. But this is it. Invite Jesus into the reality of your everyday so let's look at Jesus's last words of instruction before he went to heaven. So y'all know that Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and then he came back to earth and gave instructions, interacted. He first showed himself to, to the women, and then he showed himself to his disciples, and then he showed himself to a group of 500. He showed himself in Jerusalem. One time he popped into the room when all the doors were locked. And even though... He was the son of God. And even though he had raised from the dead and they'd already heard news of it, the fact that he popped in the room when all the doors were locked really disturbed them. So apparently people, humanity has always, even the disciples of Jesus that walked with him, saw him feed the 5,000, saw him heal the sick, raise the dead, have a hard time with the miraculous. That's human nature. We have a hard time with things we don't understand. And for some crazy reason, we want to put God underneath our understanding. Well, I homeschool my kids and it exposes me to enough stuff to realize there's a lot I don't understand. My girls are studying physics. There's a lot I don't understand about that. I can't put God underneath my understanding. All right, so here he is. He, he said, he told him, he, he, he showed up in Jerusalem and he told him, now go ahead, go to Galilee and meet me on the mountain and I'm going to give you some last words of instruction. These are Jesus's last words of instruction before he went up to heaven. Matthew 28, 19. This is known, we call this in the Christian world, we call this the Great Commission. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is giving his followers purpose. Let me tell you what your purpose is. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. All right? So the teaching doesn't change, does it? Jesus said that the things I've taught, you heard, you teach. Write it down. We're going to pass it down to the generations. Teaching doesn't change because Jesus left physically. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the great commission. In other words, we have been commissioned. I looked up the word commission in the dictionary and it says uh, to put it in context here we have been granted the power and the authority 
to carry out a particular task. When you have been commissioned, you have authority from someone else that you didn't have on your own. You have power that you get from someone else that just little old you didn't have before. It's called a commission. And here is our commission, to make disciples of all nations. The word nations there in the Greek is ethnos, where we get the word ethnic. It expresses the idea of different nations, different customs, cultures, and civilizations. So the gospel is for the entire human race. In case you were wondering, well, they kind of got their own thing going on. I don't know. It's, you know, No, Jesus said go to all the races, all the ethnic groups. Jesus, you know, the big word today is diversity. Jesus was all about diversity. He said this gospel is to be taken to every culture, every custom, every civilization, race, color, ethnicity. And you know what's cool? In upstate South Carolina, you don't have to get on an airplane to do this. You can go to Walmart. Right? Find somebody with a different shade of skin than you or this dress different than you, or wears their hair different than you. Maybe they cover their hair. The gospel's for them. So he's wanting you to look outside of people that look like you, right? Okay, so go to school, right? The gym. Mark 16, 15, uh, here's another account. It's worded a little bit differently. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, I wore my preach shirt today. I was like, I was gonna dress up and I'm like, what we're gonna talk about today is preaching and it's not what you think it is. So I had to wear my preach shirt. It's not what you've been thinking. You've been thinking, yeah, that's for the preachers. I'm not really a preacher. God didn't give me that call. God gave you that call. It's called a commission. Okay, so he said, go into all the world. This is a different world from nations, ethnos, right? This is a different Greek word, and it gives us another idea of where and how he sent us. This word is cosmos, with a K in the Greek, cosmos. It describes anything that is ordered. It can be found in any part of society, such as a circle of friends, or any sphere where you live and you have influence. Okay, we're gonna look at that word just a little bit more in a minute. Anywhere you have, where you have uh, influence, where you live, where you interact, okay? Another verse that uses this word that gives us a little more insight is 2 Corinthians 4.4. It says, the God of this, NIV says age, the King James says, world, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. When we're praying for someone that has not seen the light of the gospel, we ask the greater one to remove the blinders to see what was already there, right? Okay, so blinded the minds, bl has blinded them. This is the sphere, the cosmos is the sphere where the enemy has influence and works. 
And it's the same sphere that you're supposed to have influence in work. It's the same influence that you've been commissioned with power and authority. Satan operates in world systems. It's where he's invaded and where he has his influence. This is where he attempts to manipulate and dominate and control the world. Now, Jesus tells us where to go. That's where we're to go. That's where your disciple, is anybody here a disciple? If you're a disciple, this is your assignment, to go to these places. So these people uh, are in systems, and they are lost and blinded, and they need the gospel message. So some examples might be, we're talking about these systems, right? Some examples might be your neighborhood, might be your workplace. That's a different system, right? You have all of these different little systems, right? It might be the school you attend, might be your book club, might be uh, your, your circle of friends. Your cosmos is the place where you live and where you work and you have influence in other people's lives. Guess what? You're there. And you're supposed to show up. You're supposed to show up. All right, so John 4, 35. Jesus told his disciples, Jesus told his disciples that the fields of the people all around all around you are ready for harvest. Jesus can see, you know, you, you've heard of rose-colored glasses. He's got harvest glasses. And he can see what you can't see. He's like, these fields are ready for harvest. There's people all around you hurting, lost, trying to figure it out, unfulfilled, have no idea what their purpose in life. And he's like, yep, ripe for harvest, ripe for harvest. He can see it. People near you struggling through life, just wishing someone could help them. You're the missionary God wants to send. Why? Because you already have a relationship with them. Do you know how hard it is to be a missionary, to go to a foreign field, and you've got to learn their language, learn their customs, learn how to take their their view of the world and translate that into into relate Christianity to them. We're talking about people already in your world. You already get them. You get what it's like to work there. You get what it's like to hang out there. You get what it's like to be there. You get them. You already have influence. They've already been watching you. They already have. What was Nice. Nice, guys. Y'all are taking it up a notch. All right. Cool. Mark 16, 15 again. Then he said, go into all the world. We're going we're gonna to break it down, and we're going to see what some of these verses mean. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I told you preach isn't what you think it is, okay? So go into all the world. To go means, like, if you have ever had the opportunity to go on a mission trip, it's really cool. I highly recommend it. You should do it. But because you've been, I have, okay? I've been on a couple of, a couple of mission trips anyway. Uh, that doesn't mean that I've done the Great Commission because I went, 
okay? To go means to go and keep going. Go and keep going. Go and keep going, okay? That word go is keep going. So go and keep going. All right, go into all the world and preach. This preach in our English American language has become, you know, like, well, we know who preaches, right? Who preaches? The preacher preaches, duh, right? That is not what this word means. It's not talking about a pastor, teacher. I told you about the five, the five offices last week. Not talking about those people. It's not talking about that. When I was looking at what it means in the Greek and studying this word, to me, it reminded me, and I hope this isn't negative according to what your impression of these people are, but it reminded me of more like a press secretary. A press secretary is what a preacher is. So it's someone who proclaims, declares, or announces a message. The message Bible says go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. So this word in the Greek, to preach, the, it goes back to the word um, of the person who does it, is someone who's appointed to communicate as a representative for the king. It was a privileged and noble and hand-picked position. This person hand-picked, why? They're going to represent the king to the people. What the people thought about the king depended on this representative. So this person had routine access to the king's presence. Because not only did they get, they didn't get just like a sheet of paper with the announcements on it. Had to know the heart of the message behind it. Because if there were questions, they had to communicate in a way that represented the king, represented his heart, represent the way he wanted it delivered. The way they dressed mattered. They had to dress respectfully of themselves and uh, respectfully of the king. They, it, it had to command a certain amount of respect. One time, Pastor Brad and I were at a an event, we were at a sporting event, and I had my True North t-shirt on. And we had somebody walk up to us and say, do you go to True North Church? We said, yeah, we go there. And um, they said, we've got friends that go there. And they are inviting us to come to church all the time. Does anybody know who it is? Ben and Billy. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, so you're going to dress in a way. When you wear your True North shirts, let's just think about this for a second. It matters. So I have joined the gym. I joined the gym in, in November. I've gone to the gym before, and I went to a, a church gym, okay? And I liked it because it was Christians, and it was mostly older people, and nobody looked super cool, and I felt good about that, you know? I felt like <laughs> I look pretty good. I'm fine. So... I liked it, and so when it was time for me to join the gym again, I was like, you know, maybe I'll just go back there to my old stomping ground. And the Lord laid on my heart, and he's like, that's not where I want you to go. Because everybody that goes there pretty much is a Christian. So I want you, I want you to go somewhere else. So I joined Planet Fitness 
the no judgment zone. The no judgment zone. So I go in, I don't judge anybody and they're not judging me. It is plastered everywhere, the no judgment zone. So, you know, I'm kind of like learning my way around and I'm not feeling real strong and, you know, I'm going and going and going. And um, then one day I go and I wear, and nobody pays me any attention and I don't bother anybody, right? So I'm just doing my thing, trying to figure out how to do everything and trying to get there. So one day I go and I'm wearing my True North shirt and I notice everybody is looking at me. Everybody is looking at my shirt. And I'm like, oh my Lord, I am gonna have to start smiling at the gym. I am representing. And that got me thinking about it. So I was like, Lord, forgive me. I hadn't even crossed my mind yet. You know, I've been trying to figure this thing out. So I started trying to be friendly at the gym. Now I'm friendly. So, and then I go to the one in Greer and it's next to Walmart Market. So I had to go into Walmart Market <clears throat> and pick up a couple of things on my way home. I'm like, don't forget, Jennifer, you're wearing your shirt. So, so I'm like, okay. And then I get to thinking about this man that I know, it's a minister, and he has a goal to win 200 and what? 250 people to the Lord a year. And I got to thinking about him and see he's the kind of person that he doesn't, he's an older man and he doesn't leave the house every day. So I'm certain that his plan is to win someone to the Lord every day he leaves the house. He'd have to because he doesn't leave the house every day and you can't win your wife over and over and count that. So, so I got to thinking about him, and I got to thinking about, man, that is quite a goal, right? And I'm like, okay, if he was walking in the Greer Walmart marketplace, how would he walk in different than I walk in? And you know what I thought? You know, I think my grandmother might have taught me this term. Have you ever known somebody that, uh, you know, thinks they're God's gift to the world? You know? You're like, oh, I guess he thinks he's God's gift to the world. I got to thinking about this man, and I'm like, he walks in Walmart thinking, I'm God's gift to the world. And the Lord said, that's what I want you doing. I want you walking in Walmart like, I'm God's gift to the world. wearing my t-shirt. Now I try to be nice even when I'm not wearing my t-shirt because I've done identified, right? All right, <clears throat> y'all think about it when y'all are wearing your shirt, especially. Okay, where did we get to? What verse are we at? Verse 15, we got through the, yes. Preaching the gospel is something that you do every day of your life by the way you conduct yourself. When you get up every day and faithfully go to work, you preach. 
When your team at work can count on you, you preach. When you dress respectfully of yourself and others, and you say, I've got respect for myself, being a child of God, you preach. When you speak kindly to other people, you're reflecting the gospel message. You have to see yourself as a representative of Jesus Christ. You and me are his personal representatives, and everything we do and say preaches about Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 16. So we're supposed to, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, whoever believes, whoever believes, Whoever gets to be a disciple, whoever gets to be a believer, whoever gets to come and die, whoever gets to be what all the things that we studied last week, whoever gets to, whoever wants to. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not, whoever does not believe will be condemned. So I told you your first question at the end of your life when you face your maker, did you believe? Or did you not believe? That's your first question. But then this is the message we're to take. This is our message. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. So I told you a commission means that you've been commissioned. You're not on this um, rogue journey on your own. Jesus said, I'll go with you everywhere you go. I will never leave you. And even when, you, when, when humanity gets all the way to the end of the age, which I'm guessing that's us, I'll still be with you. I'll still be with you. These signs will accompany those who believe. That word sign there, if you look at it, is short for a bigger word. Signature. That's why sign is spelled weird. Because it's short for signature. These signs will follow, will accompany those who believe. Signs are supposed to follow believers. A sign is the signature or seal on a document to guarantee its authenticity. So if, a, you know, they used to do those, those cool wax seals, it would say, yeah, this came from the king, if it had the king's standard on it. Signs also mark key locations in a city. So signs are God's signature on our work. You can't do signs. I can't do signs. Let's be real. That's God's part. They're his signature on our work. It's, he's, he's telling the world through our message, this is not a man-made message. Jennifer didn't think that up. I sent her. 
signs point an unbeliever to him. Not to me, to him. That word signs will accompany. That word means faithfully accompany and closely follow. Faithfully accompany. It's not like, well, it's not like the internet. If you, have, if you don't have great internet, no, faithfully accompany. You can count on it. Faithfully accompany. Closely follow. Every time the gospel is preached, whether you're at church, whether you're on the mission field, whether you're on the job, at the grocery store, at the gym, at the book club, it's part of your spiritual equipment. Verse 17, here's, here's signs. Guys, there are things we can't do. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. When they place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, I'm giving my disciples who I'm commissioning to go take my message, I'm giving them a power and authority over the power of the enemy that's already at work in the world. I'm going to give them a spiritual prayer language. And they can pray for the sick and expect them to recover. So if this is true, why don't we see more signs following Christians? Right? We have to look at that word believe. We have to look at that word for these signs will accompany those who believe. So just like I told you it was go and keep on going, guess what it is? Believe and keep on believing. It means those that are constantly believing. And sometimes we can get weighted down with life and get our eyes off of the Lord and eyes off of his purpose and his plan, and we can let our, our believing wane. But signs are for those who believe and keep on believing. They're not automatic just because we give our heart to Jesus. Like everything else in God's kingdom, signs and wonders are activated by our faith, by our believing. Doesn't make sense. Odds are against us. And I just believe him anyway. So when you pray for the sick, if you're not praying for the sick, guess what's happening? Nobody's getting healed. All right? (laughs) But when you pray for the sick, expect God to commission with you. It's a shared mission. He said, as long as you're preaching the gospel, I won't leave you. And guess what? All of these promises are not just for us. Now, he sends you He commissions you, but he doesn't expect you to go out sick, healing the sick. And we don't heal, right? Are we clear on that? But he doesn't expect you to go out sick. You get the benefits. But a lot of people are wanting the benefits, but don't want to do the work. They want to do their part. It's a commission. It's two-sided. We have a job to do, and he, he gives us everything we need to do it. 
So you get to be healed. You get to have power over the enemy in your life. You get to speak with new tongues. All right. But you get what you expect. When you pray for the sick, expect them to be healed. When you confront someone under the influence of the devil, expect that person to be set free. Influence of the devil, you see it all the time. People are like, what is that? I don't know. That's weird. No, it's things like fear, panic, addiction, rage. This is the influence of the enemy. When you are in a situation that requires the miraculous, well, guess what? We know the miracle worker. Expect the miraculous. I'm God's gift. I showed up. When you need protection, expect God's hand of protection. When somebody's worried, you know, you're around people and they're, they're worried my mom's going to trip. She's going to be on a plane and I'm scared. Let's pray right now. Let's pray for God's protection. Let's watch him work. But faith activates the power of God. If you sit back just to see what happened, guess what? Nothing will happen. Faith activates the power of God. The miraculous won't occur unless we release our faith. But guess what? God is already, always ready to show off to the crowds. So let's look at Jesus. Fed the 5,000, fed the 4,000, raised the dead, healed the sick, blind eyes open, deaf ears hear. When we give God space to interact in our interactions, when we introduce other people to our Savior, when we give him room to show himself real and powerful beyond ordinary human ability, we don't need to be like, I'm kind of scared to bring up God. Right? We fulfill the Great Commission. We fulfill, we take on his interests as our interests. We get interested in what he's interested in. And you know what? I have found when I take on God's interests, he takes care of all my interests. When I do his stuff, he takes care of my stuff. That's when we find the greatest fulfillment. That's when everything in our life comes alive as well. That's when our marriage comes alive. That's when our parenting and our relationship with our kids comes alive. That's when our job suddenly is more about than punching the clock. I sowed seeds yesterday. I can't wait to get back to work. I'm going to close with an illustration. Has anybody been to Death Valley? Death Valley, California, not Clemson. No, y'all know I wouldn't talk about Clemson. Anybody? Have y'all been to Death Valley? Nope, nobody. All right. Death Valley is a barren, desolate wasteland in eastern California in the northern Mojave Desert. It's desert, y'all, okay? It's the lowest, driest, hottest place in the United States. 
and it's reported as being the hottest place on earth in the summertime. It's hot, and it looks dead. Under normal circumstances, Death Valley is a very hard place for anything to live. Can you imagine? It gets about two inches of rain a year. On top of that, the grounds are composed of rocky earth, salt flats, and sand dunes. It is not a place for growth, right? However, there is a stupendous natural phenomenon that occurs only once in about 10 years, every decade. Death Valley has something called a super bloom, a super bloom. After substantial rainfall in the fall and winter, when they have an unusual fall and winter with some rain, in the spring, the desert becomes alive with thousands of wildflowers. Can we see that picture? I have a picture for you. So normally desert, this was 2016 super bloom, that's what it's called, covered. According to park ranger there, Alan Van Valkenburn, there are so many seeds out there just waiting to sprout, just waiting to grow, lying dormant under the ground, not dead, lying dormant under the ground. 10 years of sleeping. He said, I never imagined that so much life could exist here in such staggering abundance and intense beauty. Sometimes that's what our life is like. There's seeds lying underneath the surface that are just waiting to be awakened, waiting to be watered. People in your circles, dormant seeds, just waiting to wake up to their purpose waiting to wake up to relationship with their creator. Do you know that's what we were made for? And when that was ruined in the fall, that's why Jesus came? Because the Father longs for relationship with you and me, and he longs for relationship every culture, every tribe, every ethnic group. That's, that's what the Father's interest. And he calls us, and he calls us out, but part of that calling is, I want you to get interested in what I'm interested in. And you're going to see some pretty cool stuff happen. And you're going to experience real joy and real fulfillment that you will never find any other way. And you're going to stand before me and say, Father, I bore much fruit. Let's stand to our feet. Let's just ask the Lord. You have a God-designed skill set, a God-designed makeup, hand-picked. He hand-picked you for where he puts you, for the things, for, for the people in your life. You have influence. 
let's go to him. Father, awaken those seeds where we've been sleeping, where we've been asleep. Wake us up. Lord, we want to be God's gift to Walmart. We want to be God's gift at the gym. We want to be God's gift at school. God's gift at work. And I thank you, Father God, that as we wake up to our call and to our purpose, to what we've been commissioned to do, then all of those things that we think have hold, held us back, all those things in our past, all those things we wish were different are just going to fall away and pale in comparison to hooking up with your vision for our life. Thank you, Father. Can you just receive downloads from him this morning? Just receive downloads. Got to see some things differently. Like me, like, oh my Lord, I got to start smiling now. Well, I'm working out, get sweaty. He'll show you. And he'll show you, he'll give you his glasses where you can see the harvest fields and where you've been thinking there was nothing living there. There was no potential there. He's going to say, hey, that field's right for harvest. I don't want to close without giving you the opportunity if you've never made that decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. That's the first step to come out of the crowd and into the family. If that's you, let's just pray this prayer together this morning. You just pray it in your heart. Dear Lord, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't want to stand before you an unbeliever when I'm at the end of this life. I'm going to stand before you and say, I believed in your son. Thank you for sending your son. Your son paid the price for my sin to draw me close to you, that I can walk in relationship and fellowship with you. And from this point on, I'm going to take on your interests. I'm going to find a purpose for my life. And I thank you, Father. I'm so excited about the fulfillment that I'm going to experience. I'm so excited about the joy that's ahead of me. Complete joy. Not a little bit of joy or partial joy or, well, you know, in this area of my life, I'm kind of, this is okay. No, complete joy. Lacking nothing. Every area of my life. Because I'm partnering with you. Partnering with your interests. And you're empowering me. You're commissioning me, sending me forth. And when I lay hands on the sick, I expect every time for them to, for them to recover. Recover. And I'm walking in the power of God, the authority of God. No deadly thing will harm me. I'm not going to walk around fearful of the power of the enemy because I have the greater one empowering me and leading me forward. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we lift up all the ones that are homesick and we just speak health over them. Colds you got to die. Health has got to live. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for healing.
We receive healing. If you need healing in your body, just receive it. In Jesus' name, strength, strengthening, strengthening. I'm a child of God. I'm a disciple of Christ. And I'm receiving the strength that I need to go forth. I have a commission this week. I'm going to need strength for it. I'm going to need ability. I'm going to need help. Thank you, Father. I receive it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person here. Lord, I thank you that your hand's on them, that you're leading them, guiding them, directing them. I thank you, Father God, that the, 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 the eyes of their understanding is enlightened. They will never go back, never go back, never go back. In Jesus' name, we're going forward with you. Amen. We'll see. Me up, turn me around, place my feet on.